Welcome to our new episode of The Nerdy Rat. We have a lot of catching up to do as our episodes are becoming slightly more sporadic. So we are going to talk about the Venom movie, uh, the new Bohemian Rhapsody movie, Doctor Who, Daredevil, Flash, local animal news, and of course our very own Ratties. So here we go. everybody welcome to the nerdy rat yes uh, it's been a long time it's, but it's, here we are we, we skipped october went straight to november <laughs> there you go here we are it's it's election day hopefully you've all been out and voted yes please get out and vote um if you didn't and you're listening to this it's probably too late and uh, maybe it might be too late it's your yeah. fault ah! <laughs> you have so. no right to complain if you haven't voted about That's anything right. that happens in the future well i tweet about it so hopefully everybody yeah voted. there you go so, uh, yeah, we got a lot of catching oh, up to do. We We've, do, we do. Uh, let's start with our rats. We got uh, Willow and Celeste. Yep. Uh, there are some new foster rat girls that we are fostering through small angels. And they've been adopted. Now, uh, Willow had a little tumor on her. Yeah, she had a mammary her, on, tuner, on, tumor. Was it a mammary tumor? Yeah, or was it was it a, a mammary. It was mammary. Uh, it was kind of high. I thought it mm-hmm. might have just been like a tumor tumor. No, it was a mammary tumor. Okay, so we got that removed. And mm-hmm. uh, we had to take her in today to be seen by doc- by our doctor again because uh, it had uh, it developed a little seroma, so it had to be drained. And mm-hmm. this was the second time she drained it on Friday. Mm-hmm. And it filled back up immediately, so she went ahead and drained it again and put a little slit, a little keyhole slit, she called it, mm-hmm. in the side so it could kind of heal from the inside out. And, and kind of drain as it yeah, heals. Yeah, we've had that happen before with some of our surgeries where they just wouldn't, like either the rat would pull it open, like Doreen, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd just have to, they'd have mm-hmm. to let it heal open like that. But Yeah, uh, in this case she thought that... Um, Willow was having an, an allergic reaction to the sutures, so she actually took the sutures out this time yeah. and uh, and left them out. And she packed some antibiotic cream and stuff in there too to to help it heal and you know yeah, not get so infected. We're lucky to have a really good vet that's uh, mm. available. Yeah. Now these two girls were older. They had been um, left with a county shelter by somebody who was moving and couldn't take them with them. So they had been in the county shelter for over a month before the shelter reached out to small angels. Um, and they are so sweet. You missed yeah, your chance to adopt them because they've already been claimed. They're going to their forever home next week. But they are so sweet and friendly and highly socialized. Yeah, they're they're really sweet, mm-hmm. sweet little girls. Very, very gentle. Very calm, very mm-hmm. gentle. Easy to handle. There's, they love to like run on my shoulders and like run up and give me kisses on the lips. And mm-hmm. they like to like explore and play. So somebody clearly loved these rats and played with them a lot yeah it's, that's the bad thing about when you leave your rats at, at a lot of these shelters is mm-hmm. the shelters don't aren't equipped usually to uh you know take care of rats or even like work to get them adopted because a lot of people aren't looking at shelters for rats mm-hmm. and now, I'll, i always tell people if you have if you don't have a local rat rescue you mm-hmm. sh- you kind of want to keep an eye on your local shelters you mean like to drop them off? Like to, if you're looking to adopt a rat. Oh, if you're looking to if adopt. If you're looking to yeah. adopt, always, yeah, yeah. yeah keep check an eye your, on the shelters, shelters because they, they usually come in. Mm-hmm. And they do take them in. I mean, when you say they're not equipped to take care of them, it's like they do take them in and care for them. But they're not necessarily going to have the best habitat for them. They're not going to get yeah, playtime and, and interaction with humans. they're not familiar with how to care for them either. Like in specialized situations, exactly. Yeah. Like they're not necessarily going to know how to like check for health issues and handle them and things like that. So, yeah, yeah but but I, w- I will say a lot of the shelters in the area, um, at least in our area, are very good about working with the local rescues and trying to get the animals yeah, that have been in the shelter for like over a month. They try to get them adopted through rescues versus putting them down. So they do try very hard. Most of the shelters anyway that we're familiar with. But, you know, yeah, you can't always... Yeah, and we're going to be getting some new boys, right? Yeah, we're what? going to get three new foster boys. I'm not really sure what their situation is, but they're coming in like after these girls get adopted, then we're taking the boys in. Yep. And so we're going to have three boys. Yep. So we're keeping full. We uh Yeah. 
you know, we, we still got our, our own raddies. We do. And I think uh, since the last podcast episode, I think we talked about basil and chip on the last podcast, but we have got them fully integrated now with the silly squad. So they are just loving life with the sillies, Lando and Han and Winnie. And, you know, they got all the dominance issues sorted out. And uh yeah. Yeah, they're they're getting along really well now. The Lando is the alpha of the whole cage, which is ridiculous because he's the youngest, but he is the most ridiculous, energetic well, Han, rat. Han's younger than him. Oh, that's true. Han is a little Han, by a couple weeks. Han's younger than him, yeah. but Lando's like a baby, and he just has bossed everyone around. Winnie was a very strong alpha. Basil was a very strong alpha, and Lando well, out alphaed them all. He's just Lando's just got more energy he than does. any rat. He we wears own. them out. Like we when we had uh liz's friend over on mm-hmm. saturday or sunday, sunday to meet the rats and lando was just running all over the place yep. and she was playing with the other rats and lando would run over to my shoulder and then he'd run back down he'd run over i put him in the I, I put him in the wall and he'd jump out of it and go run in the empty cage and look uh, around exactly like he is such a daredevil he loves to um like he really loves to like play parkour or like see how far he can get with his exploring like he just is really clever and he likes to figure out like how to walk on dangerous narrow skinny things i mean not really dangerous that would harm him but just like he just loves to figure out how to get new places yeah well yesterday when uh he was he was crawling around. You were playing with him, and you were crawling around. He was crawling around on top of the table, and he fell off. I know. And he like most of my rats. If that happens, they're gonna run for cover. Exactly. But he just kind of he just kind of like trotted out and was like, "Oh, what's going on?" <laughs> He's like, "Oh, look, I got to a new place." And, and then I had to pick him up real quick because because kitten was like came running he, over came from running across over. the rest for the across the and room. And then I sat down. And I held Lando, and uh-huh. then kitten came over and gave him a little a little kiss. kiss on his nose. Well, he didn't bat at him, which I was surprised. Well, and we would have protected him, so don't think that we're exposing Lando to danger. And actually, mm-hmm. kitten was really good because when he came running over, I was like, "Kitten, gentle." gentle and he stopped and he did not try to pounce on him or anything Mike kitten loves them but my concern is that he would accidentally hurt them not yeah. intending to hurt them but I accidentally hurt he them. he seems from what I've noticed of his befa- behavior he seems fine until he sees their tails moving around yeah and as soon as he, he sees the tails it. he wants to pounce on the tail and bat at them and also Lando really works him up because Lando is so hyper with the running around and, you know, we've trained Kitten to, like, pounce on his binkies and, you know, pounce on his toys. And that's his genetic DNA is telling him to pounce when something runs like that. So that's hard for him. Yeah. So we are very careful and we, we protect the rats. But yeah, but Lando's. Yeah. But he did give him the sweetest little kiss. And Matt was careful. Matt was holding Lando so he wouldn't have gotten bit or anything like that. But Yeah. But Lando's awesome. Lando he's, is. He's just ridiculous. I love him. He's funny so ridiculous. How, it's funny how different their personalities mm-hmm. are. Cause like it really Even is. just like bringing out the rats and introducing them to your friend. Like you could see how different all of them mm-hmm. were. Yeah, she know? could see. I mean, yeah, it's like easy to see. Well, yeah. it was funny too doing the intros with Lando and Basil and, and them. Because it was like watching a little soap opera every day. Because at first... Winnie was really scared of Basil and Chip because she had been raised by herself and it she couldn't integrate into our big cage. And that's why she got paired up with Lando and Han, who she actually accepted, although it was a little bit of a struggle for her to accept them, too. But then she was scared of Basil and Chip. And then Basil was trying to be the dominant alpha with her because she was like starting to attack him a little bit and stuff. And Lando came flying around the corner and he like jumps in between them and he like hip checks basil and well, he's, he's like, like in the cage. no no winnie's mine winnie's mine to abuse <laughs> not yours well he's just like in the in the play area just running laps around everybody mm-hmm. bowling everybody oh over. yeah he would do that too yeah he'd like run over their heads and like somersault over them he's like so ridiculous like look out coming through i know but actually it was really good because his energy and his alpha behavior then he started pinning basil and chip because he didn't want them messing with winnie and i've i loved how protective he was of her he was like no Mm -hmm. winnie is my in my pack and you're not going to mess with her and he got basil and chip to accept him as the alpha and then they had to learn that it was okay for them to set boundaries with him because they were trying to be the little submissive ratties to the alpha but like he was so ridiculous he was going to pick on them too much you know yeah so they had to learn to be like okay that's enough lando that's enough. Well, we were lucky to get Winnie to 
be accepted by the little boys because she mm-hmm. she did not want to she could not integrate with our other our pack. big pack no yeah. and we had done it slowly we'd done it for like over two weeks and she just couldn't get along with some of them yeah well, i think i think it was uh it was uh baby groot and uh pinky i think no mm. she was the bully she was being really mean to squeaks oh I was think. she i think it was squeaks or was it baby girl i can't remember who she was being mean to i think it was squeaks though she was being like really really bullying to squeaks uh, and she would not let up on her yeah yeah well it all worked out so we did you know we've got our two packs so. yeah yeah we've got so two y- happy packs you wanted to talk about some local animal news yes so in really cool rat related local animal news our national zoo down in washington dc has a pack of naked mole rats which if you haven't seen them they look like naked ratties except they've got huge teeth like fangs it's it's crazy and their tails are a little shorter and they're blind but i mean they basically look like rats and you can see them because there's a live cam in their den which we're going to post the link to on our site so you can go check them out but there was a cool little article about them that they haven't chosen their queen yet so they're a little bit like honeybees or bees i don't know if it's honeybees but um they're going to choose a queen and the queen is going to be the only one who bears children. And she somehow puts out chemicals to suppress all the other females from having kids. And then everybody basically lives to serve the queen. And there's some Just weird like real life. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's really interesting. They're really cute on camera. Too. They are They're really all... cute. They're super cute. We were watching them a little bit earlier. Right, oh, yeah. I can see them right now. They're right. in there. Then the camera's like in the food den. So you can see them eating and like oh. it's positioned on a tunnel. You, you're so you watching can see it them right running. now? Yeah, I just clicked on it. There's oh, someone again. Oh, you can see Zofix. <laughs> he really looks like our rat Fival, who's a naked rat. So if mm. you love rats, you definitely want to watch this rat cam. You will love it. And you can read. So there's some really gross details about them in the article because apparently they eat each other's poop. And it's just disgusting to me. They eat poop. And I'm like, why are you eating each other's poop? But they do. And well, it's like, you know, whatever. But I don't need to know about it. Yeah. It's, it's, bleh. but they're cute. So, you know, you can watch them on the cam and hopefully you won't see them on the cam eating any poop. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully you'll just see them eating regular food. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they got them. They got fruit and vegetables and, and stuff, stuff out for there. them. Yeah. I'm not sure around. everybody's going to think they're cute, but we think they're cute. Well, if you like rats, I think you'll think you're, that they're cute. I mean, oh, if you're listening to our podcast, you probably like oh, rats. Oh, this guy's eating, he's eating corn. Oh, okay. He's a good little boy. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, that can be your new adventure to watch while you're at work. <laughs> is the Eagle Cam uh, still up? I think the Eagle Cam is still up, but I know they're going to, um, they, they, uh, what's the word? Migrate for the winter. So they do. So they're going to leave the tree for several months and they may have already done that. Okay. So they'll be gone for a little while. Yep. Yep. But speaking of the wildlife, I've been reading some disturbing articles recently talking about like how half of the world's wildlife is gone. But more disturbingly, it's the insects and the birds that have declined like by 50%. And so the problem is, that when the insects are dying, the birds don't have anything to eat because the birds eat mostly of the insects. Yeah. And then when the birds die, you know, that it goes up the food chain. Everything starts dying. So a lot of the problem is that people put pesticide on their lawns. It's like things that we maybe can't control, but we could lobby for, like they're mowing the median strips. Um, so there's basically no habitat. And natural plants growing for the insects to eat. So you have to have native plants in your area because they're food for the insects. And if the insects don't have food, that's why they're dying. Yeah. And we uh, we stopped mowing our backyard. We did. And I started planting a lot of native plants too. To, and, and what I've really noticed is that the native plants, they have so many holes in the leaves because bugs are eating them. And that's good because you want bugs. Like I think the whole country and probably the whole world has gone to this mindset where it's like you want to live in like a little plastic turf farm almost. 
You know, it's like people, people just don't want any bugs and they don't want any trees and they don't want any plants. And if they have plants, they don't want the plants to ever get eaten because then they look kind of shaggy. But then it's like you don't have any insects, you don't have any animals, and then we're eventually not going to have a planet. So it's problematic. It's, it's very problematic. So the best thing you can do is like don't use pesticides and plant native plants, like a wide variety of native plants. Yeah, and you were you were planting some non-native plants originally. I was because I didn't know any better. You, yeah. Yeah, you just got them because you thought that they They're were pretty. They were pretty. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do that. Like, and then it's, you stopped doing that. I did. Yeah, because it's like at first I just planted. Oh, that's pretty. That's pretty. I'm gonna plant that. It's a pretty plant, and I wasn't thinking about wildlife and nature and conservation and any of that. And I was like, I slowly started learning little by little. Yeah. We do, we do have this tendency to try and like come in and sterilize everything around us. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, you, you spray your house for bugs, you spray your yard for, for ants, you spray, you know, all these different things. And then we just, you know, everything becomes sterile, but then you just kill off all the life that you exactly can't, you know. And the problem is there's so much development in these days. There's not enough native land for for these things to be growing anymore. It's like there is no more wild, you know, for the, for the stuff to find food. So like a lot of it too is like without the native plants, the birds have to go south for the winter. Well, there's no food for them on the journey because people have killed all the native plants. And a lot of native plants are weeds. I mean, people would call them weeds. Like pokeweed is a huge, big, ugly-looking plant. A, with what about that ivy stuff that's all over? The okay, shed. now that's invasive. Oh, okay. So you got to be careful. Invasive stuff you want to rip out and kill, because the invasive stuff kills all of the native stuff. Yeah, there was. Uh, I was I was watching this thing on the Daily Show. Mm-hmm. I don't normally watch the Daily Show, but it was like a video. It was about the guy who uh, built a. He built a a. a a handgun that would fire underwater oh so he God. could so he could hunt the lionfish because <gasps> the lionfish are destroying coral reefs oh, in Florida. Okay. Yeah, and it was it was really it was funny daily because they they were talking about like uh humane ways to do it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh they were saying like r- really there's not much to really be done because like these were exotic pets that got out mm-hmm. in the wild and they're just invasive yeah. because they have no natural predators. Yeah. So this guy like he built like the special cartridge for his gun and just goes out and shoots them. Oh my God. <laughs> but could that have a ripple effect if humans get a hold of that gun and then they can go out and shoot people underwater? I mean, are you worried about like mass underwater shooting <laughs> or something? <laughs> you like, know what? In this day and age, yes, I am. Yes, yeah, I am. No, I, because I there's don't enough think it's crazy people. You can just swim. Like it doesn't shoot that far. You got to okay. be within like ten feet of them. To okay. Actually, because in water, it's not like you can shoot something at a hundred yards in water. Well, yeah, exactly. That's why I'm surprised he's even successful doing that. Yeah, because it basically like shoots the fish and then he just picks oh them up. Oh my god. But yeah, they're but, well, good for him trying to do his part, I guess. Yeah, it's funny because like they interviewed him and the guy was like, this is ridiculous. There's got to be a better way. And then he <laughs> went to like like, like PETA uh-huh. and he's like, how do you feel about this? And he's like, well, we prefer you don't kill animals. But and, and they showed him like the different ways to kill them. And they're like, the gun is probably the most humane. <laughs> my god <laughs> it, I was know. Ca- it was a funny clip on that the- sounds funny we should find the link and we can put that on the show so we'll we'll put a link to that on the show notes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 become a tough a tough thing so you gotta try to do your part and really even if you just live in an apartment and you get some potted native plants you could put them on your balcony a lot of people got really obsessed with the orange milkweed or the butterweed butterfly weed which is milkweed. It's not the butterfly plant, which is really bad and invasive, but it's milkweed. It's the orange milkweed. Um, Because people were all like, save the monarchs, save the monarchs, save the monarchs. But the thing is, so many more bugs need saving than the monarchs, you know? So you don't want to just buy that one plant, you know, buy a variety of native plants. and. Yeah, and then I read some articles too where people have be- begun hand rearing the monarchs. They kept, they take the um, cocoons inside from outside, and then they raise them, <laughs> and then they release them. But the problem is they're affecting the natural population because maybe they're saving ones that had a low genetic 
code that would have naturally gotten eaten because they wouldn't have made it. And now those are being released into the mating population. And so the scientists are saying, like, please don't hand rear monarchs. That's yeah, because then you end up with gimpy monarchs that can't survive. Yeah, and, and it's like you're 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 unnaturally affecting the natural selection, and you know, and also other bur- other animals need to eat those caterpillars and those yeah. butterflies. It's not just like you can't just focus on one thing. Yeah, like all the possums. Everything's connected. Stuff. Yeah, possums eat ticks, so please leave your possums alive. Oh my God, I got Lyme disease this summer, so I'm really up on possums right now. I'm like, yay, possums! Don't kill the possums. And they're very cute too. They're so cute. They a walk around with their babies on their back. A lot of people think they're ugly, and that's why they run them over and hit them with their cars. And I'm like, people are evil, and yeah. possums are cute, and they eat ticks. Yep. Yep. And keep them around. Yes. All right. Well, we got a lot of nerdy stuff. Oh, to get we to do. Why don't you start episode. with some of your BlizzCon stuff? Yeah. So BlizzCon was this past weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, so they, you know, they announced that vanilla or classic Warcraft was going to be coming in summer of 2019. I was mm-hmm. happy with that. Mm-hmm. I wish it had been a little bit sooner, sooner, because they did like. You c- if you bought the virtual ticket, you could play the demo, which I thought was dumb. You're playing a demo for a game that's 15 years old. Like, yeah, that's kind of weird. I thought maybe they would be like, oh, it's going to come out in November or December. But yeah, like sooner. Now they're saying summer of 29, which is whatever. <laughs> I'll, I'm dead. I'll, it's going to be included with your Warcraft, n- normal World of Warcraft, uh, subscription, but I'm not going to resubscribe to Warcraft until it comes out. Yeah. I have zero interest in playing the retail World of Warcraft right now. It's just, I don't think it's very good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I know you were disappointed with the last expansion. Yeah, and I've been watching like a lot of like drama videos and stuff where like Asmund Gold is this really really popular Twitch streamer that streams mm-hmm. World of Warcraft, and he's had a lot to say about the state of the game over the past couple of months. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's funny. Like I I think Blizzard has kind of like shut him out. Hmm. because they wouldn't let him stream from blizzcon oh really yeah so is that because he was critical you think um yeah i think so i think he's kind of on their bad side because he's been really critical of the game but yeah he's also like he's 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 doing it for the right reasons and he's not like he's quit playing or he's not telling people to quit playing right like it's like saying you guys need to you need to change these things or right. the game's not going to succeed. And I want, and he wants the game, which to is helpful information, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, the big, the big controversy out of BlizzCon was the Diablo announcement, which, uh, now what was the announcement? So they, uh, they the big Diablo announcement was everybody wanted Diablo four because Diablo three came out six years ago now. Uh huh. Um, there hasn't been any official, word about a sequel mm-hmm. and they had come out two weeks before and said we're not going to announce Diablo 4 mm-hmm. so to try and set people's expectations but then okay they they announced this Diablo mobile game like for your phone yeah oh okay. so it's Diablo mobile and people were not happy <laughs> and not only is it a mobile game uh-huh. it's not being developed by Blizzard it's being developed by this company called NetEase what they're a Chinese company that makes mobile games. And oh. people were quick to discover that basically this looks like the new Diablo ga- Diablo mobile game looks mm-hmm. like they just took one of the old Netties games and reskinned it with Diablo assets. It's like Mario 2. It's got like the same, yeah, li- like that, <laughs> but... But the thing is, if you look at reviews of Nettie's previous games, they're not good. Oh, dear. Like, they're not, they're oh, not, a, like, no. so I, I saw a post on Reddit from somebody from China who played, you know, and they yeah. said, over here in China, we're much more accepting of these mobile games, and there's a big market for them. Right. With that being said, we don't like Nettie's as a company. <laughs> oh, dear. And and if you look at the, like, people that have played the previous game, like, they're, they're mm-hmm. just not very good games. Mm. And... So people were really upset about this. One guy got up during the Q&A and said, um, is this an out-of-season April Fool's joke? <laughs> and I bet and, they didn't like yeah, that. Yeah, they didn't like that. And another guy, like, and, and this guy w- came up and he was really earnest. And he said, you know, looking at this, it looks like you, uh, let me see if I have the, let's see if I have the, the one. Mm-hmm. Let me just pl- see if I can play it here. Yeah, here, this guy. 
Is there any plans to make this playable on PC, or is this strictly mobile forever? Uh, are there any? Uh, yeah, this the current plan is to be on mobile, both uh, Android and iOS. Uh, we don't have any plans at the moment to do uh, PC. <laughs> That's people booing. Now listen. Do you guys not have phones? Yeah, you guys all have phones. Phone. Right? Oh wow. Yeah, they said they insulted the audience. Do yeah, you guys not have phones? Yeah, and this clip, um, mm. right before that clip started, he was saying, you know, I see a lot of features in this game that we've been asking for in Diablo three for a while now. Right. Um, and that response to like, oh, you guys don't have phones, like that. That's, that's really insulting. Oh, like, it is. Oh, that's really Blizzard mean. has cultivated this culture of extra of like like hardcore PC gamers yeah. that love their products, love these games, play them. Like people that play like these games, they play them all the time. They make content about them. They make videos. Some, a lot of these people make their living putting out content about these games. So they that pay, is super insulting. They pay money to fly to to BlizzCon. To BlizzCon, right? They pay money for expensive tickets to come oh to ask these gosh. questions, to to hear the latest announcements and stuff. Right. You know, like Blizzard has developed a contract with these gamers over the years that they are a high quality company that puts out high quality content right. that that people just eat up and they right. you know and they become involved in it. It's part of their lives for a lot of these people. Right. You know, because right. some of them are making their livelihood out of like making content related to it. Oh my god. You know, god. like podcasts and YouTube videos and guides and all this different stuff. And so for them to come out <laughs> and go Okay, here's the, your Diablo wow. announcement. It's a it's a bad mobile game. That's not oh, even you guys, made you, by you, us. And, and and people are like you're not even gonna put it on PC so we can play it on the on the format that that we love. That right, the that, format that we've all that your entire customer base is built around. That every game you've ever made has been on PC. Wow. And now it's and it's not like we're not just taking. Diablo 3 and putting it on a console. Some people were trying to compare this to the backlash to Diablo 3 being on consoles. That's not the same. Right. That's a game that already exists on PC and they're right. going to move it to the console. Right. That's very different from here's a whole new game that you can't play on PC exactly. without using some sort exactly. of terrible emulator. Also, these games are notoriously easy. Like, they're not the... Mo mm. and, and that's not they what even serious said, gamers want. They even said, like, Blizzard kind of... Had, admitted that like yeah this they're looking for there's another market out there of people that will probably play this game and you know who it is it's the fortnite market it's not the core blizzard market it's exactly. not the, it's not the 40 year olds who have been loyal to the company for exactly. 25 years like they're trying to get the teenagers now they're like oh look everybody's playing fortnite we have a way to make money let's copy basically fortnite and try to yeah they suck these people they in they kind of are but it's like it's not even like but it's so and then that's fine if they want to do that in addition to like a real Diablo sequel or something like that. But not to not yeah. to just insult their customer base and yeah, people that like have been hyped base. all year about the yeah. announcement for that they're going to have for yeah. their favorite games. And, and for this to be their big announcement, it's just like a slap in the face. To, oh, totally. To the fans. And well, and I think they're they're learning that the hard way. I think yeah. there's going to definitely think, be some I think fallout. The, the media initially was like had some really snarky replies like, oh, gamers are so entitled and like all this nonsense. No. And I was like, well, you, and, and I think Boogie2988, who's like a content creator on YouTube, said it's like, it's like, you know, we're entitled to as much as the developers are entitled to our money. Exactly. And we're not going to be giving them our money exactly. if, when they do stuff like this. Well, and it's so, like you said, there was like, um, you know, an invisible contract between Diablo and their customers. They're yeah. like, this is the kind of game we put out. So this is the kind of customer base we have intentionally built. Yeah. And now we're just going to totally ignore that customer base and not only ignore them, but like insult them. Yeah. I think the media is starting to understand that too. Like yeah. I saw now they've said that they were originally going to tease Diablo four, but they had decided last minute to pull it off the schedule. <laughs> I'm like, that is very much damage control. Uh, yeah, that is because they probably hadn't decided anything on Diablo 4 and now they're trying to backpedal. Well, they said it's been in development for a while and they've they've redone it a couple of times and yeah. they weren't happy with it. Yeah. 
So which is fine. I mean, put a good product out there, but mm. yeah, but I mean, you like, don't need to insult your core a, a audience. Farmed out mobile game, like right. At you, least be honest with what you're doing. Say, hey, we want to market to the teenagers, and this is for yeah. them. It's not for you guys. Don't you know? announce it at BlizzCon. Exactly. Announce anything else? Just have it. Just announce it in a press release a month before BlizzCon or something. Yeah, it's like a little side project. Like, hey, we're trying to pick up some of that Fortnite crowd. You know, like yeah. don't. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that was that was a disaster. Uh, yeah, that sounds I'm, like a disaster. I think I think Blizzard's kind of losing the plot a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like it. But uh, so I think you want to go on to. So we saw Venom. Yes. We saw Venom a while ago. When it first came out, we saw it. (laughs) Yes, we were excited about it. So we gotta we gotta try and remember. Yes. I really, really liked it. I liked it a lot too. The only issue I had with it was that I actually wanted more plot and more interactions between Venom and Eddie. Because I felt like it was kind of missing the middle act. I felt like there should have been a lot more character development of Venom and a lot more character development and interactions with Eddie and Venom. But that's my only criticism is I wanted more and I didn't feel like there was enough. But I felt like what they gave us was really good. Yeah, I I do feel like it was cut short a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, The story was a little basic. Yeah. I felt like the movie was a little short. Exactly. Um, I thought it nailed the interaction with Venom and Eddie really well. I did too. And it was kind of like on par with like the, in the comics uh, when you had a uh, Venom with a uh, with Flash. Oh, um, I this kind of when they oh. when they start like kind of that kind of like relationship kind of started becoming a part of the Venom comics. Oh, but I thought okay. this one was really good. I, th- I They managed mm-hmm. to pull it off without Spider-Man. It was a fun movie. Uh-huh. Um, it was well, it was really good. It was really well done. And except I felt like it was light on content. It was. But I wasn't little... unhappy with what they put. And you were at first a little unhappy with like the plot with like the bad guy and all of that. But I was like, you know what? That would have been okay if they had had some subplots added in. When that was the only drama in the whole movie, it did come off as feeling light, lightweight, you yeah. know? Yeah, but if they had had some subplots and different character, you know, tensions and things like that, that would have come off better, yeah. I think. Th- this movie is like one of those movies that like I'm really glad I stopped paying attention to critics before yes. I go see a movie yes. because this is one of those movies that scored really poorly by critics and everybody loved it. Mm-hmm. Just like Bohemian Rhapsody, which, which we just movie saw. We just saw. Yes, yeah, we saw Venom, it yesterday. Venom is twenty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes That's and it's eighty seven percent audience yep. score. I would agree with that. I would agree totally. I would be like eighty seven percent. Yeah. I loved Venom. The thing I loved the most about him was how cute he was when he's like, now let's bite their heads off. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like he stacked was... them in a corner. Yeah, Venom <laughs> like, really was like a their cat. Heads. That's what I thought the whole time. He was like a cat. And I felt like sometimes he was kind of like, even his, his movements of his body, he was kind of like trying to like get his head to like rub up against Eddie, like a cat will rub up against you and stuff. Like it was really cute. He was like a little sassy cat. So like cute but re- evil. I, I got a question because you're you you do reviews, right? Yeah, 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 I do. What what does it mean when reviewers say something is tone deaf? Like, um, that I, means that they think it's not speaking to what's happening, like in the cult in culture at the moment. So like, so how is how I'm, is saying a movie like Venom is tone deaf see, an appropriate? I would not agree with that as far as Venom goes. Like saying something is tone deaf would be more like if something, I don't know, like if something was like had a lot of like sexual harassment in it, given the current Me Too culture where that's being confronted. Or like not even overt sexual harassment, but if something was like a very male-centric movie with just the female girlfriend who doesn't have a character and any lines in it. That would come off as tone deaf these days, you know? But Venom, I don't think Venom was tone deaf at all. So I... Yeah, see, this is what Richard Roper wrote about Venom, and I'm trying to understand where he's even coming from. He says, Tom Hardy is one of the best actors in the world. This Uh is true. But as he flounders his way through Venom, we're reminded even the finest talents can sink under the weight of a terrible movie. And that's what this is. A tone deaf, uneven, maddening, maddeningly dumb clunker that never settles on an identity all the way to the closing credits. Does he say I, anything more about the tone deaf stuff? 
No. Or he just throws that out there as his little catchword. Is it, it's, is it a comedy? Sure, at times. I'll admit I laughed out loud at two or three punchlines, but I also laugh when I think we weren't supposed to be laughing. Okay, and he just threw that word tone deaf out there to try to sound like he's somebody because he didn't even back it up with details or evidence, it sounds like. The, I don't think Venom was tone like, deaf. Like, they see this and they go, oh, this is, this is a dumb, fun movie. I better rip it apart. Yeah. I'll, and I will say a lot of reviewers or critics, whatever you want to call them, do that. Because um, there's actually this really good book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And she talks about shadow artists who are, who are people who had the desire to pursue some form of artistic endeavor. But for whatever reason, they don't because they're too self-critical of themselves or they're too fearful of putting themselves out there or they're scared. So they don't do it. And then they tend to end up becoming critics or some become teachers, but not good teachers. Like those really nasty teachers who put down their students all the time and stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's because they weren't brave enough to put their art out there. And I don't know if that's true for this guy who you wrote, but it's true of a lot of reviewers and critics who are overly nasty for no reason. I'm just like, it's like one of those things I noticed in like the blurb on mm -hmm. uh, Rotten Tomatoes under a tone diff. I'm like, yeah, t that doesn't even apply to Venom. And I'm like, I'm trying yeah. to think of a movie we might have seen recently that was tone deaf, but I'm, we only have been watching pretty good movies recently. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I just think they throw out these buzzwords and they don't, they don't mm -hmm. think about what they're saying because and like his points in these in this review where he says it's bad, like mm -hmm. I maybe you just don't like it, but right. I don't agree with your criticism. I don't. I don't. And he didn't even support it with with evidence. Yeah. He just spewed a lot of adjectives at it, but he didn't have specific evidence to back it up. I think you've been reviewing. Okay, you too know long. what I think was tone deaf. Do you remember when we went to go see Ragtime the musical? Yeah, yeah. that was tone deaf because it purported to be a very deep movie about our uh, deep musical about race relations. And it was supposed to, it, pr it presented itself as being so compassionate towards immigrants and people who were like African American and had a different life experience in the 18th century or whatever. And it pretended that it was this deep, deep movie that was tone deaf. It was written by white people who had no idea what was going on, who, who like, fell into tropes and stereotypes all over the place uh, and it was just like they they handled it so poorly and told the story of the minority experience so poorly that's what i would call a tone deaf yeah you know because yeah. they thought they were on point and instead it was like so grossly mistaken yeah i i think in order to be tone deaf you first have to try and be like political yeah, or relevant somehow. You have to yeah. try to somehow be relevant. And Venom was trying to be a comic book movie. Yeah, it was just trying so... to be a fun, fun movie about an alien that bites people's you heads know, off. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I, well. I, yeah, that was not really... No, I can't I can't not really see anything about that. Yeah, So, but this movie That's was rated criticism. fresh by the Nerdy Rat, so... Yes, we, we loved go, it. We yes. should go see it. Venom, we just want more! Yeah, More. and then we saw we saw Bohemian Rhapsody last night. We did loved and it. This is a this is another film that's got sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, a hundred percent from the Nerdy Rat, ninety five percent by audiences. Yep, because yep. I mean everything about this movie is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like if you're if you're in any way. If you well, like if, any if, Queen song at all, like if there's any Queen song that you if, just like the slightest little bit, you should go see this if movie. If you have any interest in Queen at all, yeah. or Freddie Mercury at all, yeah. like this is an amazing movie. and It's it's really good. You know, I think there were some critics that were saying it's not completely accurate. And I guess they don't understand what a movie is. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? They were accurate on the big stuff. Like, I think a little bit of the timeline at the end of the movie when Freddie left the band and then he rejoins and then Live Aid, they mm -hmm. did condense a little bit of yeah. that. Because that's a movie. You have to have, like, a little bit of tension and drama. Yeah. And then this one reviewer says it rang hollow. No, it didn't. What Not about this movie is hollow to It you? was like, so genuine. Yeah. It was so genuine. The actor playing um, Freddie Mercury was so, I, I don't know, he was intense. He was, he was just so in character for Freddie Mercury. And I felt it was such a loving, honest, genuine tribute. You yeah, know? absolutely. The whole movie was, but especially the actor's performance. It was just incredible. 
Like it had so much depth. He really showed Freddie's conflicts. He showed his joy and his exuberance. He showed his sadness and his depression and his unhealthy habits, you know? And it yeah. was it was just a, an amazing movie. And I have watched a lot of biopic movies. And I have to say most of them are very boring and poorly done. Because a lot of people who do like a biography movie or a history movie, it's like they just show a whole chain of events. And they don't really tell a story and there's nothing interesting about it. The only other movie I saw I was telling you that I thought was good was Ray about Ray Charles. And this one was as good as Ray. Yeah, didn't didn't uh, the guy who played Ray, what's his name? Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx. Didn't he get like an Oscar or something? He did. For that? Well, I'm not sure if he got it for Ray or if he got it for another movie he was in that year. But he did get an Oscar. I, I can't think if it was for that. Or, I think it was for. Tr- no. He did get an Oscar. Yeah, he got for Best Ray. Actor. For Ray. Yeah. Yeah, he was. No, Denzel Washington was Training Day. So he got that he got, for Training Jamie Day. Jamie Foxx got Best Actor in 2005. Yeah, for, for Ray. Ray. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I think this guy. What's what's the actor's name? Because I'm not familiar with him. I haven't um, seen him in other stuff. Who I, played uh, Freddie? I have it right here in front of me. Hold on. No, it wasn't Denzel Washington no. in Training Day, was it? Yes, was it, it was. Jamie Foxx it was tra- Yes. Who was, was in Training Day? Um, it was Denzel Washington. Was it? It was. Yes. And right. he won the Oscar for that, right? Maybe. Or he might have been nominated. I don't know. Uh, training. Whoever was in Training Day, I know he won the Oscar. It was with Ethan Hawke. Yeah, Best Actor 2002, uh, Denzel. Denzel, right. It was Denzel. Okay. And Ethan Hawke won Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Or wait, he was in, yeah, Ethan Hawke was just a nominee. He didn't win. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, this is. But anyway, back to Bohemian Rhapsody. What was the actor who played Freddie uh, Mercury? Rami, Rami Malek. Probably Rami. Rami Malek? Yeah, it's probably Rami uh, Malek. I believe he was in that uh, TV show that was real popular. Yeah, he was from some TV show, but he I didn't watch that TV show. Mr. Yeah, he's from Mr. Robot, which is really popular. I haven't I've seen, never it, seen but, that. Uh, I know he was my... so amazing. And everybody in the cast was amazing. And the whole movie, the way it told the story was so amazing. What I really was impressed with was that they, you know, they had to skip huge chunks of years or months or weeks as they told the story because it covered several years of Freddie's life. Yeah. But th- it never felt like they were skipping gaps in his story because they told it through the lens of Freddie. And it was like they really followed his life so seamlessly yeah. through his emotional and that, ups and downs. Some people have criticized it for not going in depth to some of his other relationships. Like some of like, I know he had other relationships with other women before Mary, I think. Oh, okay. And, uh, a lot of other things. And the, I think the actor responded and said, look, we could have done that in a mini series, but yeah, this, this is, is a, a movie. movie. Like we can't, you know, like right. you, you, you have to take a person's life and put it into a movie. You can't show every detail of their life. Like, right. It, it, the movie was already like pretty long. It was pretty long. It's like almost three hours. Right. Was it? Let me look at the running time. Because we couldn't believe what time it was when we got out. One thing I thought was really cool was that when they get to the Live Aid concert, which is like the climax of the movie when Freddie rejoins the band. And again, they condensed that timeline. He had actually rejoined the band before that. But, you know, they need a little drama and it was good drama. They showed the entirety, they played the entirety of the Live Aid concert, and they were using the original Queen soundtracks. So um, for everything, it was the real Queen band playing, it was the real Freddie Mercury singing, and they played the whole Live Aid performance, um, the whole 20 minutes, and it was incredible. So yeah. And it was such a good artistic choice. It's two hours and 15 minutes long. Yeah, and it was, it was just wonderful choices throughout the whole movie, really. Yeah, it's just, I, yeah, it, it's great. Go see. If Don't listen if, to people who are unhappy with their own lives and therefore have to bash yeah. everything in the I world. I think it's, it's such an iconic, like Freddie Mercury is mm-hmm. such an iconic person. Mm-hmm. And the band's such an iconic band. I don't yeah. think anyone, it, 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 it's re- like, it's hard to make everybody happy because I think everybody right. has their own idea of what should have been what included in this right. movie. right. You know, but but I, you know, especially when you're being a reviewer, and I've heard other good reviewers say this, like you have to review what they've given to you. You can't review it based on what you wanted to see and, oh, you didn't live up to what I wanted to see in my expectations. It's like you have to think yeah, about that's what, what so did they give you and how, how well did they give you what they wanted so to give you. So many reviews I say, uh, yeah, this was good, but uh, it could have been so much better. And it's like, 
that's a bad way to review something. Yeah. Like you're just like, oh well, you know, it it should have been better. It's like, well, it was really great. You need to <laughs> you need to review what's in front of you. Yeah. So. Yeah. So anyway, definitely go see Bohemian Rhapsody. You will love it. Yep. It's excellent. And Speaking of excellent, the new season of Doctor Who. Yes. Oh my God, we are back to what the series used to be. What made me fall in love with the series in the first place. Yeah. And my husband, no, well, we met over Doctor Who, but that's another story. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's back to the good old days. So yeah, I'm so this excited. Was, this was very very good. I like I like the group that they've assembled. Mm-hmm. To be, instead of yeah. just like it's one companion, because I feel like for so long they were doing the like one single doctor companion. with a single female single companion. companion. Yeah, it was a bad trope, and it was it, it wasn't was, working anymore. And it, it, the thing is, historically, Doctor Who wasn't always like that. Oh, no, Before, I've been watching the original series. Um, and yeah, he's always had at least two companions, sometimes three. Yeah, so this I like this better with with three companions. Me too. And, Me too. You know, the dynamic between the, the father and stepson. or stepfather Grandfather and, and stepson. He's his, gran- he's his step-grandfather. Right. Yeah. But I, I really like yeah. the interaction between. Like, Me I too. Like, you know, and Yaz is really cool. Yaz. And I like how Yaz and... Um, Oh, what's the guy's name? I'm blanking out on it. Oh, I don't remember. I know. I can't remember. Graham is the older one. I'm blanking on the son's name, the younger guy's name. Yeah. But anyway, I like how they're friends from elementary school. So you don't have to have this romantic layer on top of it. And they've kind of showed they might develop something between them, but they might not. And it's like they're just, as they say in Britain, they're mates and they're mates from school. And I think that puts a really nice twist on it. It just I feel like it's avoiding a lot of a lot of um predictable plot elements. Ryan. 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 Must be because they say it with their accent that I'm not Ryan. Yeah, the doctor, yes, Ryan. Graham and Ryan. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, but we are loving it so far. It is and I love Jodie Whittaker as Doctor Who. I really feel like she gets like the goofiness and the seriousness and like you know, I feel like she's she really is Doctor Who, and you're gonna feel like she's back to like the good old days of Doctor Who. I loved Capaldi, but he did not have anything to work with, so that wasn't his fault. Yeah, but the the writing is real, and mm-hmm. I guess Chris Chibley has been writing a lot of these episodes. I'm noticing. Yeah, I'm wondering if he's the new show. I think he's the new showrunner. I think sure. he is, but I also like that they have had other writers listed in the credits, which is good. Because you don't want to fall into that Stephen Moffat trap yeah. of thinking you can do it all yourself yeah, when you can't. Yeah, the newest showrunner, Chris Chibnall. Yeah, that's he's been writing a lot of them. So so far, so good, and we are really happy with it. Yeah, and he insisted on having the Doctor be a woman too. Yeah, which is good, and I like that. And you know what? I almost like that the woman is—they're not making a huge deal out of it. It's like it's a thing, but it's not a thing. Sometimes she's like, "Oh, madam, why are you calling me madam?" Oh, yeah, I forgot I'm a woman. But it's like they're not delving into huge, deep stories about what does it mean that she's a woman? How is she handling that? She's just like, "Oh, new body. Oh, this is new. This is different." Okay, yeah. and it's, well, it's just. Like it's like Missy that didn't make a big yeah, deal about exactly. her, her becoming a exactly. woman. Exactly. And I like that they chose to handle it that way. British are always good at handling stuff like that. They always take stuff like that in stride. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's like she just takes it in stride. Everybody's taking it in stride. So, yeah, it's nice. And if they want to get into it later, that's fine. I don't mind if they have like an episode about that or something. But I think it's nice that you're just getting like the real doctor. You know, from the get-go. You're mm-hmm. getting real adventures with the real doctor and her companions, and it's nice. Yeah, it's been good. I, I, ho- I hope they start doing, like, maybe, like, an overarching story. I think they're going to because I think that villain from the first episode, do you remember how oh, yeah, those the, were the ones the who... The teethy guy? Yeah, do you remember how in the episode on that planet, the desert planet, where they were doing the chase, yeah. those villains had killed off the whole planet of one oh, of the girls in the race? Okay. One of the competitors. So I feel like that might end up being the arc where that's kind of like the the overarching thing that comes back. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. I feel like that'll eventually resolve. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. We've been watching Daredevil, too. Yeah, I am actually pretty happy with this new season of Daredevil. I think it's way better than uh, what the Iron Fist 
Yeah, or Luke Cage. I was not happy with the last season of Luke Cage. Yeah, the last that much. season of Luke, Luke Cage was And actually, weak. I didn't really like the second season of Daredevil, and I think this one's much better than the second season of Daredevil. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with that. Although we have to, we haven't finished it yet. So. Yeah. Because I know, like, the second season of Dar- Daredevil started out really strong, and then mm-hmm. just kind of devolved into like a bunch of fighting at the end that didn't really yeah. seem to have any kind of plot or story behind yeah, it. Other, than I agree. We got to beat up the hand. I know. Let's go beat up the hand, guys. I know. I know. And this one I think is better. Although the only thing I would criticize is that so far they're kind of acting like Karen's Punisher storyline didn't even happen at all. And they haven't made any reference to it. She hasn't made any reference to him. And I think it would be nice if they looped that in as like part of the continuity. Like she and Frank were basically developing a relationship. And now it's like she didn't call him. She didn't talk to him on the phone. She's got yeah. a lot of crazy violent stuff going on in her life and dangers yeah, to her we, life. We, like why hasn't she called Punisher? Yeah. She we, should be on the phone and be like, Frank, come help me. Yeah, the last episode we were like, man, you just need to get Frank come out here and kill all these people and I know right now. I know. Like Daredevil doesn't like to kill people. All right. We Fisk know somebody get, who does. Fiskin is Fisk is sitting here getting away with a lot. I know. And like Punisher wouldn't have anything to do with it. Especially like, when he's threatening Karen's life. Because, you know, Frank is very protective of Karen. So I, I, I just am wondering. Like, that's the only piece that irritates me. Because I feel like as far as the continuity goes, like, don't just ignore that and have him be off yeah. mysteriously invisible. Yeah. And you think they would have Punisher. I mean, maybe Punisher mm-hmm. will show up in the next couple episodes. God, I hope so. But I hope so. And it's like, also like you've got Jigsaw from the end of the Punisher series. that hasn't shown back up yet. Right. Right. You know, right. so uh, there's just a lot. Yeah. There's I, threads that they left. Yeah. And I hope they don't cancel this one after this is over. Like, cause they, they canceled cancel- the other two. And I have to say, I would say Iron Fist deserved to be canceled based on the writing being so poor. And actually, the second Luke Cage season, the writing was also poor. But I think it's unfortunate that they're maybe blaming the lack of popularity on the season on, oh, the show's not popular anymore instead of on the writing being bad. I don't think it's so much that. I think it's more of a falling out with the deal between Netflix and Marvel. Oh, that might have something to do with I think Marvel might end up moving some of this stuff to Hulu or something because uh, they own it now. And Wait, Marvel is, owns Hulu? Because they bought Fox. And Fox owns Hulu? I think so. Oh. So, and also, that's interesting. Yeah, I think they're going to be doing some restructuring of the Marvel whole empire. Yeah, like thing after with the, the movies come after out. After acquiring Fox and stuff. And yeah. They got to figure out what to do with like X-Men and Fantastic right. Four and all that. Right. Um, and then Infinity War is going to wrap up with the movies this this coming year. So yeah, that's going to restructure the universe a little bit when some people un- inevitably die. Well, they, I mean, they can do anything they want, really. I mean, with the yeah. way that I, if based on how the comic book ended up getting resolved, like they could either put everything back to the way it was or they right. could make it completely different depending on what direction they want to go with it. Yeah. I assume they're going to bring back a lot of like, obviously Spider-Man's been shooting his new movie. Exactly. And, and I think Black Panther has a new movie too. So yeah. Oh yeah. They're not, they're not going to kill off the main ones, but I think some of the old ones are going, I wouldn't be surprised if Iron Man dies, Captain America dies. I wouldn't be surprised if the Hulk probably, I, I think there's more story to be told with the Hulk. So I would suspect they might not kill him yeah, off. Yeah, I think they've got bigger plans for the Hulk because they've really missed out on a lot of opportunities. And Exactly. And plus that last movie with Thor was so amazing where they had the Hulk being such a feature. Yeah. And also with Bruce not being able to get him I, out in the last movie. I could see... I can see uh, the Hulk and Thor living. I, I could see Iron Man sacrificing himself exactly. at the end of the next movie. And I feel like Cap might as well. And I feel like they mo- might even both die together to kind of resolve that conflict in their relationship. That, That's That possible. would not surprise me at all because yeah. they could bring in new heroes to yeah. take their place pretty easily. There's a lot they, There's a right. lot out there for them. Well, to... and Captain Marvel hopefully is going to become a major part of the universe after her movie because I think she's obviously the one who, who Nick Fury called to come rescue them when, when the Thanos thing hit. And, uh, you know, she's going to be what ties it all together. So I hope she's going to stick around, you know? Yeah, that I'm looking forward to her movie. Mm-hmm. That's going to be good. And it would be nice if they resolve things with Hulk and Scarlet and uh, Black Widow. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, they, they pre- really didn't resolve anything with them. 
So anyway, yes. But though that's my prediction is that those are who's going to die. I would be maybe. surprised if they started doing team up movies like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like Thor and Hulk's last mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, it was that. It's better that way. I mean, that's how they would do comic books. All yeah, the time. exactly. Like it's better yeah. to have more characters. Yeah, like it's more Spider Man and Daredevil. Or, yeah, it's a lot more know, fun. Spider Man and Captain America. Exactly. Spider Man. Hey, and Flash Thor. does crossovers, so why you not? Do, you could do Spider Man and uh, Deadpool. Spider-Man dated Captain Marvel for a little bit in the comics. Yeah, I think he's a little too young to do it. He is in this one. You know, he really is. (laughs) Yeah, he is. He's like such a teenager in this one. Yeah, he's more, he's closer to Ultimate Parker than Mm -hmm. he is uh, traditional Parker. (laughs) But, uh, oh, Into the Spider-Verse is coming out later this year, too. Yeah, we're excited about that. Really, really good. We finally saw the first full trailer for it. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm really excited because, like, they're doing uh, Spider-Ham and that, like, like they're doing they different types of animations out. for different types of spy like mm-hmm. like Spider-Ham is like a, a traditional cartoony animation. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I like, think that looks really really He's like good. what? Do you guys not have talking animals in this universe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that looks amazing. Yeah, I'm really excited for that Aquaman really is also coming out later this year. I'm not uh-huh. excited about that at all, I'm but not. we'll go see it. <laughs> we'll go see it, but we're not we're not expecting anything. DC needs some yes. serious course correction. Yes, they do. They need well, to... Wonder Woman was amazing, so hopefully with more direction by people I who feel are like more Wonder Woman oriented. See, I think I think the Wonder Woman movie being successful is going to hurt them in the long run because it's going to it's going to let them try and hold on to that universe. Because it's like that's, that's their one their one success. So she's like, oh, we can't get rid of the universe because we want to keep this Wonder Woman. Well, they could recast everybody and get better directors. They should. They, yeah. They, Just save, keep Wonder Woman around and recast around her. You can, you can, you can even keep that Wonder Woman. And, yeah. You know, just yeah. insert her into the new universe. Exactly. They do timeline transfers and universe transfers all the time in the comics. DC loves that. And, and It'd be easy enough to keep the same Wonder Woman and pluck her down in a different universe. Yeah. And we got the new we got the new season of Flash. We're yeah, I'm, I'm in. enjoying it so far. I I what do you think of the new Wells? He's all right. I mean I'm not a huge fan. No, he's nothing I, special so I far. I love Wells in general. Yeah. Sherlock yeah, um, he's probably my least favorite Wells least character. Favorite. Yeah, we've had so far. Yeah, and I feel like he doesn't really have a lot to him so far. Although, he doesn't have a lot of depth so far. I did, I did kind of feel that way about uh, HR. Yeah, and because HR, HR, HR was real you, right? grading, and then he grew on you. Yeah, he he, he did. did he did grow on you eventually. Yeah. So we'll see. I I I wanted to like smack Nora's face off for being such a bee to her parents in the last episode. I was like, good God, child, don't talk to your parents that way. It's the public school teacher in me. I wouldn't smack <laughs> anybody in real life, and I didn't smack anybody in school either, because you can't. But No, but I wouldn't anyway. But I'm just saying, like, I was like, holy cow, Nora, go to your room. <laughs> like, you don't talk, you're grounded. You're you grounded. selfish little brat. <laughs> And also, my suspicion is that it's going to turn out that Iris wasn't actually the one who suppressed her powers, and maybe the future Iris doesn't didn't even know she had powers. There might, yeah, there might be something. Because going Sherlock on. already said that somebody prompted Nora to come back to the past, so I bet yeah. that person. You thought it might be Reverse Flash. I he's going to show up again. Yeah, because they already, I think that's a good theory. They've already shown that he's he's still around. Yeah. kicking out there. Somewhere. Yeah, I think that's a really good theory. So I wouldn't be surprised if he suppressed her powers, because remember, too, if you link it all the way back to season one, when Flash disappeared, that was what uh, the Wells reverse Flash guy kept staring at in his little secret room all the time. Anyway, mm-hmm. he kept staring at that newspaper heading. So you'd have yeah. to assume that he has something to do with Nora and Flash disappearing. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. But overall, I'm happy with the season. I am I overall like, happy with it, too. I, I do like uh, Elongated Man. Yes. I'm ha- I'm so happy they saved Ralph at the end of last season. Yeah. he's He he's was so sweet. and He deserved to be saved. Like that whole joke about the, the pear meme. Yeah. That was <laughs> funny. It's, that's, a, that's a show that's definitely not tone deaf. Yeah. Definitely. That's hilarious. It's, but, uh. 
And also, speaking of not tone deaf, just that latest villain, the one who was like posting the viral headlines and stuff, and she's all like, I've got more followers than Iris and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's very on point. That's really on trend for what's happening right now. So, yep. yeah. The fake news. Fake news. I know. <laughs> that that annoyed yeah. me. They didn't need to put those catchphrases in there. Well, they have to. It's it's uh, 2018 after I all. Yes. <laughs> but you guys can change it if you get out and vote. That's right. Vote. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yep. I think that's about all we got for. Yeah. Well, we we're went, finally caught up. I don't know hour. when you'll see us again. We're paring down from twice a month, I guess. But we're still here. We're we're gonna try. I I'm gonna try and shoot for once a month at okay. least. To I keep, know we missed keep last us going. Month. Yeah. I don't want to. I know. I don't want to miss too it. many episodes. Mm-mm. I do. I. We're definitely not going anywhere. Yeah, we're, t- we're not. We're not planning to go anywhere unless an unforeseen you know. accident happens to either of us. Knock on wood. But we're, as long as we're kicking, we're still going to be here. So yep. You know, you just might have to wait a while and then get a joyful surprise. Oh, yeah. a new and if episode. you have any, if you have any questions for us, feel free to email us at nerdyrat at gmail Yes, or um, your opinions on the shows, whether you agree or disagree, you can comment on Twitter yeah. or Facebook. Uh, I'm sure, on my what brother Steve will disagree with me on something. <laughs> We love you, Steve. And Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. If you like us, feel think about supporting one of our charities. Uh, Small, Small Angels Angel. Rescue is a Frederick County, Maryland-based 5013C nonprofit, no-kill, all-volunteer organization des- dedicated to rescuing and rehoming gerbils, guinea pigs, hamsters, mice, and rats. Extra Life unites thousands of players around the world in a 24-hour gaming marathon to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, which Matt has not signed up for this year. Well, I'm not doing it this year. He's not doing it this year. I think Game Night was actually coming up or was uh, Extra Life. Let's see. It's usually around Halloween. But anyway, that's something wonderful. I think it was last weekend, actually. Okay. Well, if you're a gamer, you can still collect money through at least the end of the year for this year's campaign. And you can stream, you can play tabletop games, you can get people to support you, which it all goes to your local children's hospital. And if you need a rat bonding pouch handmade by moi, you can head over to our Etsy shop, which is The Nerdy Rat, all one word. And you can order your very own bonding pouch, which your raddies will love. Mm -hmm. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.